Hello and welcome to the fifth episode in a season of podcasts from 5app all about getting stuff done. It's great to hear from theorists about what we should be doing, but hearing from people who are actually rolling up their sleeves and getting stuff done is, we think, far more valuable. It would be wrong to suggest the world of work is now the same as it was 20, 10, 5 or even 2 years ago. Technological change along with the pandemic and a shift in how we work has shifted all the aspects of where and when we work and consequently how we learn at work. Indeed, even this week, the Flexible Working Bill has passed its third reading in the UK's House of Lords and means all workers will be given the legal right to request flexible working from day one. We went out to speak with some more experts in their fields about how learning has changed and how they're responding to these changes. In this episode, we hear from a series of experts, Anwen Botois, Gaina Aitken, Dav Rehau, Helena Nathinovich and Patrick Malarkey about how their work in L&D has changed and what they do to fit the needs of their organisations, colleagues and customers. First up, I asked Anwen how work appears to her. Well, I think probably a bit with as there is with the whole hybrid working, there's still a bit of working it out going on. Um, Realising you can do it in a certain way, remotely, maybe cheaper as a result of that, possibly, question mark, depending on what you're doing. But also there, there's a lot more flexibility and a lot more options as a result of some of that. So I think there's still a tension to be worked out <laughs> there um, at the moment. Um, so I think there's still a lot of trying out what's actually happening now when we've got this, let's get everybody back into the office to a certain extent. But what does that mean for how we're delivering L&D? So is one of one of those three days a week going to be used for an L&D delivery or is that going to be an extra day? And what tension does that cause as a result of that? So I think it's there's a lot of kind of the structural stuff that's sitting around that but I also think it's opened up the eyes to the level of flexibility and options that there are with L&D. It's more than just learning as we've said before and about being more flexible in what we do. What does this look like for a learning professional? I asked Gaynor about what was different for her now. Um, I think that Covid was a game changer particularly in the workplace. Uh, we, again we have this this hybrid working now and people are saying, I'm, I don't want to come into the office five days a week. I was actually in, in discussions with someone about a really good job, um, maybe six, nine months ago. And it was like, we want you to come into the office five days a week. I'm like, no, thanks. I got contacted about that job, you know, last week. And someone said, they've decided that really five days a week isn't going to work. They can't work that. They're looking for hybrid. I'm like, thanks, but no, thanks. So work has changed. Um and if the workplace is changing, naturally what L&D is, is doing is, is changing as well. So people, I'm finding people are more vocal in their, in their requirements. The days of doing a, a training course for eight hours, a, eight hours a day or whatever, um, three-day courses, people are just not into that anymore. Um, and it's, it's being replaced with things like you know, re- more flexible content. Uh, and, and the delivery of that content is, is what we need to keep up with as as L&D, so everything seems to be happening much, much quicker. Again, Gaynor mentioned flexibility and the speed of delivery is a key point for her. I asked Dev how this has impacted on her approach. For us, or for me personally, learning and development now is about more bite-sized learning. It's about providing webinars that are short, 
snappy and fun. So things on raising awareness, teaching a skill, sharing knowledge, and particularly we're focusing on bringing in peer learning. So we're encouraging experts in our organization to actually lead sessions rather than bringing in outside people or commissioning training. We're actually using the in-house expertise to kind of teach colleagues so that's what we're doing quite differently because that's the easiest way to get out the messages the new information particularly around policies and procedures that we need to get out there and particularly with the work we do as a union with the government around policies that kind those kind of updates can happen a lot quicker if colleagues are sharing them and if there's new papers coming out they need consulting on Using your existing experts and finding cost-effective solutions is more important now. But learning is more than content push. And I wanted to know what Helena was seeing. I believe that more than ever, learning and development is responsible for offering people ways to develop themselves and, and stay up to date. So this was already true before, but I have been feeling that there's a lot of more interest from people in our in our target audience in learning additional skills where before you had to spend more time convincing them that they the skills were for their benefit. I think it's also a little bit because of anxiety. Will I have a job? Uh, will my job cease to exist? Um, am I ready for jobs of the future that we don't even know where they're going to be? And I think that message has sunk in uh, much more in the last few years. One thing that I do see is that there is a very understandable fatigue of webinars, of Zoom meetings and everything else. And therefore, um, it's it's becoming really difficult to convince people to participate in a live virtual session, which is a go-to solution for a lot of L&D teams. And if they do participate, they do not want to sit in front of a screen for an hour hearing someone ramble on, um, no matter how interesting or how amazing that person is. This is a challenge, but it's also an opportunity to make sure that we are using live, whether it's virtual or in-person situations, a little bit more thoughtfully. Like, does this really need to be a live situation? Does this really need to be an hour? What is the benefit of it being asynchronous versus being live? And I think because it is so much easier to just send an, a calendar invite and block, block people's calendars. And before the pandemic, people were actually grateful that you were like blocking a time for them to learn and study instead of them having to find their own time for this. Now, I think um, it sort of reversed a little bit. And people are very grateful if you give them a way to sort of follow a curriculum or follow a suggested flow, but in small chunks that does not require them to jump in a call and does not add yet another thing to their calendar. Also, customers that are not even usually don't have a big L&D infrastructure in their, in their companies are also telling me, I would rather have all self self-serve asynchronous content, which is a, a big departure from what we were hearing before. So there's a shift. 
and that's to self-serve, and content being available on demand for your employees and colleagues when they want it. This reorganisation of learning is a major shift for some organisations and learning professionals. Here's Gaynor again. So that we have also, I think, this democratisation of, of learning in that we now have more tools. I think with COVID, we had things coming up like Teams, which, again, is, is perhaps a double-edged sword. Um, teams for Learning, we've got Zoom, we've got all of these different things that we can use as L&D but also I think the people that we are, our audience, and our, our tra- trainers, the, our colleagues, they all have access to this now. And a lot of people are really interested in that technology. So we're no longer the gatekeepers of L&D. It used to be we ran e- e-learning courses. We created that content. Now there's this, this democratisation that people are, are are doing that for themselves. So that role for us has has, has very much changed, I think, in that, that we're now, I know this is phrase business partners or partners with the, you know, with the business. I think it's just, it's, it's changed for us and that we now have to be part of that, part of the, of the, the workforce rather than something separate, something that's kind of in an ivory tower. Those days, I think, are, are long gone. I agree with Gaynor. We're in a world where learning and development is no longer the sole domain of the learning and development function, if it ever was, to be fair. There is a need to embrace this now and find out where learning can be more useful. Finally, I asked Patrick how these elements came together and how they impacted on things like facilitation. I think there's been an upskilling from a technical perspective, a digital technical perspective, in the context of design and facilitation, and an acceptance as well around, I suppose, the notion of ceremonies and gathering um, and Previously, we were debating around the philosophical elements of like in-person, face-to-face versus a digital experience or campaign or curriculum um, and how they can work together. Now, I think the distinctions and difference are like I'm, I'm brought into the notion of most facilitation is still feasible and, and uh, you know effective online in, in virtual settings. But what you can't replicate at the same speed is a sense of rapport or community you can get there but not as quick as perhaps you can in person so that's brought that to life more sharply parallel to that as well organizations are desperate to get people together i think in in a physical setting if people are comfortable and they can afford it um i've seen it where literally they're like just get everyone just, just do it yeah fantastic bring them together i was like well what are the commercial outputs or the things you want people to do differently as a result of this? Beyond sentiment, what is the strategic thing you need to see from this? And then it's ironic that where I feel like learning is having to ask that question more and more of its stakeholders, its partners in an organisation. And we're in this phase, I'm sure it will come to a close soon, where organisations just like, don't care, just do it. Just almost the reverse sheep dip thing. Um, so that's kind of where I feel we're at. We've got like a better sense of the tools and expertise and how to apply them for some of our um, experiential learning in whatever medium, modality, whatever phrase you want to use, whatever means we deliver it by. But we're also having to manage expectations a bit with organisations who are just so keen to to, to bring people together in, a, in in the best spirits, but not perhaps thinking deliberately about like, Beyond the ceremonial piece, what's the actual commercial benefit for for bringing groups together? 
The element of commercial benefit mentioned by Patrick is critical. It feels like L&D can be held to account more and proving what you're doing is the best option for the company, your colleagues and good learning practice has now become more of a priority. We can't replicate rapport and community easily online and as Patrick says, organisations are desperate to get people together. We need to make these decisions strategically and learning has to think more strategically as organisations need flexible learning support. What can 5app do? In a flexible workplace, you need flexible learning support and the 5app hub can be that front door for learning, simplifying the content people are looking for. 5app will work with you to develop that strategic approach to help reflect how learning is happening in your organisation. Being able to support your colleagues in the ways which matter most to them is essential if you are to be successful in your work. We'll start looking at this next time. Thanks for listening and keep an ear open for the next episode of Getting Stuff Done from the team at 5app.